This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from Radio America. In Virginia, this is your host Herb Cohen with my co-host Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, and Alan Bartholomew's People Stretch Solutions. Mark, could you give us a rundown on who we have on the air today, please? Sure, Herb. Today we have Mike Jennings, President of Business Engineering Inc., Chris Molivatis, Market Director for the Mid-Atlantic Region for Jones Lang LaSalle, Mandy Sozer, President of SNA International, and Alonzo Zamora, CEO of White Glove Solution. Excellent. Let's get to our first guest, Mike Jennings, President of Business Engineering. Mike, what is business engineering? What are you guys doing? We're an uh, IT services, managed services provider. We provide uh, outsourced IT to other small and medium businesses. And uh, how large or how small is this team? 25 people. And how'd you get a job with this company? Um, 16 years ago, my wife and I bought it. You guys bought this business 16 years ago. Where are you from originally? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And how many brothers and sisters? One younger sister. And what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? 8 to 14, I was running around with my buddies and playing sports. What kind of sports were you playing? Oh, the standard fair, baseball, basketball, football. What was your favorite sport? Basketball. What was your role on the team? Forward, center. And what was the personality trait you brought to that role? Thinking. What are you talking about, thinking? I wasn't as athletic as the other guys, so I had to think my way around scoring points or defending them. Really? What's that? The, how's that the thinking, your ability to think on your feet? What's that have to do with you building this business? Well, the way I approach things is I'm analyzing, thinking, thinking what's coming next, thinking how to dodge and weave. Uh-huh. And when you mentioned you were hanging with your buddies, what, when you say you were hanging with your buddies, what were you doing hanging with your buddies? Well, this is the, the 70s, so it was listening to classic rock is what we were pretty much doing. And some of them were in a junior high band. Uh-huh. Were you ever uh, playing an instrument with them? Well, I tried to, but mainly I was their roadie. You were the roadie. So tell me, what's the connection between being the band's roadie and running this IT services firm? It's probably my, where I started getting an interest in technology and electronics. So wait a minute. So on one hand, you were the center or the forward on the basketball team, and you brought your brains to the party. And then you were the roadie with the band, so you're really technical and always thinking things through all the time, aren't you? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, just wanted to make sure I understood. Mark? So if, if you're the, the thinker on, on basketball and played a lot of sports, what uh, sports figure, literature, real-life movies uh, resonates with you most? Um, John Wooden. So who's a coach? A coach, right. And what, what, is, what about him? What about his approach? Um, he was he was a disciplinarian, but he was calm. He was strategic. Um, I've always when I see coaches today running up and down the sideline, pointing at their players, I keep thinking, well, didn't you train them where they should be? You never saw John Wooden running up and down the 
sidelines pointing to people. So you appreciated his success with that method? Yes. Yeah. Well, what does that have to do with the way you're building this business? Um, I'm not running up and down the hallways telling people what to do. I tend to try to get people who know what they're doing, give them some direction, and let them go. Uh-huh. You run this business with your wife, don't you? Correct. Uh-huh. What do you, what do you and your wife do different? She's more extroverted, uh, sales, marketing. I'm more internal operations, spreadsheets, thinking about things, yeah, you're analyzing. The, you're the cerebral uh, roadies, it sounds like. Okay, Mark, uh, where else you want to go with this? So, since we're talking about your parents, uh, what did your father do? What did your mother do? Uh, my dad was a mechanical engineer, and my mother was a pharmacist. And what characteristics did you take from each one of them? My mother was the organized, um, detail, um, just very disciplined person. My dad also disciplined, but he had more of the compassion side of it. And which of those traits do you think you bring the most to your role as CEO or president? Probably a little bit more of the organization, anal analytics, discipline, but I'm also very, very I'm big on fairness um, and balance. Now, in the green room, we talked a little bit about high school and how well you did. What kind of doors did that open for you? Well, it, it opened doors and allowing me to attend the, the universities I wanted to go to, and especially graduate school. Doing well in school allowed me to go someplace that I might not have otherwise, and then that opened doors to jobs I got later. So you, uh, how did you come up with the money to buy this business? Uh, home mortgage, second mortgage. And your wife and you made this decision together? Yes, yes. It's kind of a risk, isn't it? I, I guess it was, but I didn't think about it at the time. Um, I figured I've always paid my mortgage. I'll just pay a, another one. And I had confidence enough in myself and our, our business to make it work. Okay. Now, running a business entails additional risks. How do you handle risk in those, those situations? I don't take big risks, and I analyze the heck out of everything, which is probably sometimes I can be accused of paralysis by analysis, but so far it's worked. So going back to growing up 8 to 14, what's the, what's the moment that you're proudest of that really has helped you build that confidence to, to make big decisions? I would say that it was uh, being in scouts was another thing I did, and I'm proud of the, the things I accomplished in scouts. I didn't make it all the way, but I did a lot of hard things. How, you, how young were you when you got involved with scouts? Um, I was probably fifth grade. Why? Mainly because I like camping. Uh huh. And how long were you involved with scouts? Until um, I was probably a uh, junior in, in high school. And how, how did your role in scouts evolve? Uh, gradually, you know, more became more of a you know leadership as as it went on. What do you mean you became more of leadership? What are you talking about? I don't like to stand on the sidelines and see things be unorganized, so I'm sure I started stepping in and saying, okay, we should do this, we should do that, and then eventually there's leadership roles in scouts, like patrol leader, assistant patrol leader, things like that. It sounds that. to me like that's what happened with this business, where you were involved, and then all of a sudden you realize, listen, I really, I have the confidence now, it's ready for me, I'm ready to take control of this thing. Yes. What? Well, yes what? What do you mean? Yes, it was probably more on the... Uh, Working for people, at a, I was at a larger company, working for other people didn't seem to make sense. It wasn't going. I didn't like the way they did it, and I said, I'm just going to do it myself and not work for them. So, so what particular characteristics, specific ones, did you learn as not being the boss that helped you become a better leader? 
I, I never wanted to be disrespectful of my employees as I felt disrespected at times, you know, work this weekend, but I already had plans or schedule, you know, it was just like my time didn't matter when I was an employee and I'm very cognizant of my employees' time. So are you proud of your employees? I'm very proud and I'm, I'm so proud that, well, we two years in a row we've won but uh, Washington Business Journal best places to work, oh, so I know we must be doing something. In the IT industry, there's a lot of turnover. You're experiencing a lot of turnover, aren't you? No. We what, have, what do you mean, though? You're in the IT industry. Well, we have some guys who've been there 16 years. I would say the least tenured person is only because we just hired them, but they're most four, five, six, seven years. So what's the benefit to your clients of the fact that you don't have a lot of turnover and you manage the business the way you manage the business? Our guys have a lot of experience. They get to know our clients. Um, so the service they get is, is very, very good. So, and this is because you experienced being an employee before you became a boss and you knew what you did and didn't like and you took things slow but sure like you did at Boy Scouts. I would think so, yes. Uh-huh. Back else? in high school, wh- what were you thinking you were going to grow up to be? I thought I would be grow up to be an engineer and a, and a manager in a big company just like my dad was. Yeah, so what happened? I didn't like working in a big company and 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 it wasn't in a in a big company it wasn't what I knew it was who I knew and I that really didn't sit with me as opposed to as to being to being smart and doing the right thing and and being capable correct uh-huh so this thing it sounds to me like this personality trait of stepping out and really feeling your oats happened in scouts as, as an early indicator where you were part of the group and then eventually you wanted things organized a better in a different way it sounds like that's what happened with the business as well where you, where you wanted to bring a certain culture to the organization fundamentally yes as opposed to a better technology necessarily yes yes what what do you mean yes i think we, we wanted to build a culture that is very, I mean, people say it all the time, but very focused on clients. I think we do a great job. We get cl- comments back, and I, I'm really not chasing the shiny penny in the IT world every Wait every a minute, week. wait a minute. When you, were, when you were playing sports and you were the center or the forward, and you mentioned that you were the cerebral one, you were actually figuring this stuff out back then in terms of who belongs where on the team and what, who should be doing what and who's good. You were figuring that stuff. That's what you meant by that, isn't it? Yes, that was also a part of it. You were figuring out the team just like you were doing at the Scouts and just like you did as an employee. What's the website address for your organization known as Business Engineering? BEINetworks.com. Let me have that one more time. BEINetworks.com. We've been speaking with Mike Jennings, President of Business Engineering. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. And your name and organization is? I'm Catherine Deming with Business Engineering, Inc. And what, what's your role at Business Engineering, Inc.? Um, I do business development for them, so sales and marketing. So your job is to help identify and bring in new clients. That's right. Uh-huh. How, where are you from originally, and how young were you doing that? So I'm from Colorado, and I probably started doing that about first grade. Doing so what? Selling coupon books and Girl Scout cookies door-to-door. You were selling coupon books and Girl Scout cookies door to door, and you think there's some parallel between that and you're doing business development at Business Engineering, Inc. Tell me about that. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, a lot of autonomy in both positions, and, um, you well, know. Wait, you, wait, 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 wait. A lot of autonomy. But you, you're, you're an employee in this organization, Business Engineering, Inc. What do you mean autonomy? Well, just the autonomy that, you know, Mike and Ellen 
give me to go bring in new clients, do it however we feel is the best, which for us is really about relationship building. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me he trusts your instincts? I think he does, yeah. Wait a minute. I read the newspapers. All I hear about is the bosses are jerks and they're suing everybody and there's laws. You're telling me there's a lot of trust. How large? How many? How many people are involved in your organization? There, there's 25, 20 engineers, uh-huh. and then. And you're telling me everybody gets along? Yeah, for the most part. And that he and and that the bosses really trust your instinct. Yes. How's that make you feel? Um, it, you know, it makes me feel great. Why? <laughs> um. It's nice to just feel like they trust that you're going to use your time wisely, which is the time they're paying for, um, and mm-hmm. that you're going to represent them well. What's, and you're the, what's the website address of this organization? BEINetworks.com. We've been speaking with your name again? Catherine Deming. Who's Business Development and Business Engineering, Inc. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is? Um, Kathy Conran with Conran Consulting. And wh- what do you guys do? I work with people one-on-one to coach them to be better leaders. Uh, Where's that coming from in you? I think it has to do with being the middle child and the only girl with two boys on either side. Mm -hmm. Where'd you grow up? In East Brunswick, New Jersey. And uh, you're the only girl with a brother older and a brother younger, right? Right. And tell them, where'd that consulting thing come from? You know, I think it has to do with telling stories. Um, Where were you telling? I always liked telling, writing stories, reading stories, listening to stories. My brothers were both became engineers, and so I was kind of the word person in the family, and also kind of a mediator between uh, different family members. So your nature is both storytelling and mediating, and does that have something to do with coaching? Oh yeah. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, everyone has a different story, and you have to really understand their story to be able to help them. So in order to help them, and sometimes you've got to mediate, you need to understand their story, so you really need to understand people, which is where you come from, and then after you understand people, you're able to coach them, and if there's a conflict somewhere, you're able to move them through the conflict like you did your brothers. That's right. Uh Are you more like your mom or your dad? More like my mom. What do you mean? Um, thoughtful, a little bit laid back, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I try not to push my opinions on people. Mm-hmm. What's the What's the website address of your organization? That's conrincoaching.com. How do you spell that? C-O-N-R-O-N coaching.com. C-O-N-R-O-N coaching.com. And your name again is? Kathy Conrin. The name of the organization? Conrin Consulting. And uh, this is Herb Cohn, and we'll be back in a moment right after this break. We're back. You're listening to Executive News Radio. This is Mr. Cohen, and we'd like to introduce Chris Mullivadis, who is the Mid-Atlantic Market Director for Jones Lang LaSalle. Chris, what is Jones Lang LaSalle? Jones Lang LaSalle is a full-service commercial real estate firm. Uh-huh. How large or how small is the organization, and what chunk are you responsible for? Uh, 91,000 people globally, 2,000 in the local region, and I, lo- I run the local region. Uh-huh. Where are you from originally? Washington, D.C. And how many brothers and sisters? One older sister. And uh, tell me, how young were you when you were uh, organizing all the other kids in the neighborhood? And I'm guessing that because you're responsible for 2,000 now, something tells me you were doing it back then. I started that when I was seven. Uh-huh. Tell me a little bit about what was going on back then and how you did it. 
Well, we moved into a neighborhood and we did not know there were a lot of children in the, in the neighborhood because um, they weren't roaming around and playing. And so when school started, uh, all of a sudden the bus stop was full of kids. And so I wanted to play. And after school, I recruited a lot of the kids to get together and to play. Uh, you recruited them in the what? What kind of stuff? So uh, a lot of creative play. Um, we didn't have a lot of money and so sticks were guns and we used pine cones and trash can lids were shields and we built forts and we ran around and had a great time. So um, you recruited the kids and you created this creative play. Yes. Uh, how many kids were in the core of this thing that you sucked other kids into? Ten. And you were the recruiter of the group and the one with the creative ideas of what everybody could do together? Most days. Uh-huh. What's that have to do with building this, this real estate organization known as Jones Lang LaSalle where you're responsible for 2,000 people? Well, you know, business is all about the people. And so it's really important to have the right people. And um, if I steal from Jim Collins and Good to Great, you know, it's getting the right people on the bus, the right seat on the bus, and getting the right people off the bus. So you, is it fair to say that the role you played uh, pulling the kids into creative play, recruiting them into creative play, and being in the core of that organization has something to do, actually there's a direct parallel to what you're doing nowadays? Absolutely. All right, just wanted to make sure I understood who's got the next question. Chris, what was going on in school at that time? Um, I was um, struggling in school. I had a hard time with reading, writing, and math. And uh, we had chaos in the home that sort of was uneasy for me, and so it's hard for me to focus. Chaos at the home, tell us a little bit about that. Well, my father was a brilliant individual and a war hero, but he had PTSD. And my mother was always a champion of the underdog, and she uh, was working with my father and then with other individuals. And so there was always the family was in a bit of disarray. So what did you learn from dad? Uh, my father was very tenacious and so um, very driven, and I got that from my father. And mom, what'd you get from mom? Well, mom was the caring one. She was the one that was always trying to take care of people. And so I do the same thing in my business day every day. My job is to support our team. Wait a minute. I read the newspapers. I read about business people in the news. What do you mean your job is to support your team? I thought bosses just fire people. <laughs> no, you know, um, you know, I sort of draw a, a diagram with a pyramid and the executives at the top for probably the first month of the year helping working with a team setting strategy and goals and then that pyramid gets flipped upside down and I'm the bottom of the pile and helping support everyone above me for the other 11 months. Give me that again. You're, I've seen these organization charts where the boss is at the top. You're telling me you flip it upside down? Correct. Don't you deserve to be at the top though? No, it's a team. It's a, a business is a team sport. It's not about the boss. It's about the team together achieving goals and allowing every individual to be all they can be. I, okay, I'm not arguing with you. You're the boss. You've built a successful 2,000-person team. Who's got the next question? So you talked about uh, being driven as a kid. Is that, is that what you were most proud of as, as a kid? You know, what, what are the characteristics that you think back were, were special to you? Yeah, I, I think the, the fact that I was uh, aware enough to realize that I could control my own destiny and I learned that I could learn and think and grow and drive myself forward. Did that, was that, is that easy or did, did you have to work at that? It was very hard. I had, a, as I mentioned earlier, I had a really hard time in school and it wasn't until I was in high school that I sort of really came into my own and I read my first book and, and, and started to achieve. And how else did that manifest itself at that time, getting through your, your college years and then into your first job? 
Well, I think that um, I've always wanted to be self-sufficient and not a burden to others or my family. And so I very early on defined that I wanted to be in the real estate industry and in particular in real estate development. And so I went to school for that. And where did you go to school? I went to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. Oh, I went to TCU. That's a good uh, rivalry there. It is. <laughs> so how did you end up back in D.C.? Uh, after I graduated, uh, the economy in Texas was not very good, and so made it back to uh, D.C. and picked up a job pretty quickly. Now, Chris, in the green room, you talked about some mentors that are not your t sometimes your typical mentors. Tell us a little bit about some of your mentors from 8 to 14. So I was not introduced to anyone in real life that could be a mentor for me, and so I looked to books, I looked to TV shows to be my mentor. Well, tell us a couple. Uh, TVs, Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best, My Three Sons. Which character in Leave it to Beaver? Uh, the father. And what about Ward Cleaver really stood out for you? Balanced, level-headed, not chaotic. And so I was looking for role models that were the opposite of what I was experiencing day to day. That, that's awesome. And how have you brought that forward uh, in the 11 months of the year when you're at the bottom of the pyramid? Well, I think that, um, you know, in business, there's a, a, a lot of uh, things that need to be organized and processes that need to be created. And so I have worked very hard to bring people together and organize them and help them be all they can be. What kind of, uh, how do you translate that character that you bring to uh, the job to philanthropic activities, either past, present, or future? Mm -hmm. So um, I volunteered with Fairfax County Public Schools as an advisor to their school board on public facilities in the school. Uh, I also worked with my local church as a church leader for the high school students. You mentioned uh, you're married or single? I am married. Uh-huh. Have any kids? I have three boys. So what about, uh, what, are you, what are you trying to bring to the family unit uh, in terms of a special? I'm trying to create a warm, loving uh, environment. What's the difference between what you're trying to create at home and what you're trying to create at work? You know, actually, I think that's pretty similar. It sounds kind of silly when I say a warm, loving environment, but I think that in business, you use the terms of sense of belonging and trust, and all those are very uh, analogous. So you really see a similarity between how you're trying to build, how you're building this 2,000-person team and how you're trying to influence the family? Yes. That's sort of interesting, 2,000 versus um, a family unit of four or five. I mean, are you sure? We're all individuals. We're all people. We're all trying to be the best that we can be, and we're all trying to strive for what's important to us. And whether that's with a small group or a larger group, it's just a lot of good people coming together and doing something. Chris, in, in the green room, you talked a little bit about facing challenges. Tell us how you're facing challenges with an organization that size. Well, I think the, the challenges that you run into can be technical challenges or people challenges or a lot of different challenges. We're really focused on servicing our clients and our clients' challenges. And so we work very hard to learn our clients in order to help them. But as a leader, how are you overcoming them? You mentioned some interesting things. So the way that I, on an individual basis, and try and promote is that I truly believe that continuous learning is very, very important. And I believe that you can learn and think your way through any situation in order to overcome and achieve. Where, where does deep wisdom come from, this understanding that uh, the family unit and the business unit, there's some real deep similarities there. Where, 
where'd that wisdom come from? Where'd that understanding come from? I came from a lot of self-reflection and a lot of reading. I'm a voracious reader. And I, um, you know, once I started reading in high school, I didn't stop. And I plow through books on a continuous basis and I ask a lot of questions. But you're, you're, okay, even though you're at the bottom of the pyramid, you're at the top of the pyramid, you're running 2,000 people. You're telling me you're even bothering to learn more stuff? Absolutely. Um, there is no way that I could do my job without continuously reading um, and listening to podcasts and questioning. When I read, I write in the margins. I ask myself questions about how it applies. So your nature is to constantly bring in the chaos. It's to constantly bring in data, bring in information, to keep on sorting stuff out all the time. That's part of the inculcation you got in your childhood. It's sort of serving you well running 2,000 people, isn't it? Yes, although I try to continue with creating organization, I believe you have to be uncomfortable and you need to do things that are uncomfortable and that will allow you to be uh, mm -hmm. bigger and better and greater. And That's the website address of this organization, Jones Landis. JLL.com. We've been speaking with Chris Malibaitis, Mid-Atlantic Marketing, Mid-Atlantic Market Director, Jones Landis. I'll back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Wh what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients. They're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, 
anywhere from eight dollars uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars and making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't ah interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm-hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. You've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you. We're back. You're listening to Executive News Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Mandy Sozer, president of SNA International. Mandy, what is SNA International? What do you guys do? SNA International is a government consulting and contracting firm focusing on forensics, biometrics, and identity intelligence. Uh-huh. How large or how small is the organization? We have 200 employees uh-huh. and about another 25 consultants that work for us. Uh-huh. And how did you get a job with this company? I founded the company How when many, I was about 40 years old. When you were about 40 years old, you started this company. Okay, where'd the money come from? Really bootstrapped it. So started you, with $500, invested in, in in the company. So you understand how to bootstrap, how to grow from your own cash a business to 200 people. Where are you from originally? Central New Jersey. How many brothers and sisters? One younger brother. And what was going on with you, 8 to 14? You must have been a genius or something, being able to grow a business out of cash flow. Oh, no genius there. Kind of floundering a little bit in an awkward age. What do you mean? Well, I was interested in science. I was also interested in social work. Yeah, yeah, keep going. So... uh, you know, what I do now is didn't even exist when I was eight years old. What do you mean it didn't exist? I'm a forensic geneticist by trade, CSI type for those who watch TV, yeah. doing forensic genetics, DNA profiling. So it didn't even exist. So you, maybe as opposed to being awkward, you just weren't understood. You were like in the midst of inventing stuff that nobody else saw that it existed. Oh, you're too kind. Well, uh, 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 Mandy, what, uh, how did you start making money? as a kid? I first started out delivering newspapers. I would get the papers, put them in plastic bags, and put them in the little basket in the front of my bike and drive around the neighborhood and uh, throw papers on people's driveways. Mm-hmm. And what, what uh, after that, any other jobs? Yeah, you had? after that I was a babysitter. So I uh, had a clientele. I had a group of people that I would babysit for. So that must have been, uh, if you had a clientele, that was a lot of, a lot of families. Uh, what did you do different than other babysitters? I was reliable. I also went above and beyond. So in addition to watching the kids, I would clean the kitchen, maybe fold the laundry if it was laying out. So when the families came back, their house was better than it was when they left. So that's more than just being a babysitter. That's a, a caretaker for everybody, for the <laughs> yeah. whole family. I think it's uh, going a little bit above and beyond in building trust with your clients. 
What's that have to do with building this 200-person business, folding the laundry and doing the dishes? Well, I think it, it means as a business owner, uh, you're not afraid to do anything. So you see if something needs to be done, especially when you're growing a business, you kind of have to do everything. And then when you get a little more successful, you bring someone else on and then they can help you. Uh, so it's a, it's a lot of hard work. So Mandy, tell us about mom and dad and how they influenced you. Sure, I had uh, some very intelligent parents, hardworking, uh, had high, high expectations. So and what did that, those high expectations, what impact did that have on you then? I think that uh, that impacted that you can pretty much do every, anything you want to and they would expect you to do something and you don't kind of sit back and you work hard. So independent of, of being an amazing babysitter, what else were you doing an, a great job at in those early years? Um, I'm, I had a hard time in school, so I don't know if I was doing an amazing job when I was in school. Um, I, uh, I'm not a very good speller, and I think that uh, I have a hard time spelling, thank goodness, for, you know, MS Word now with spell check. But it caused you, even now, it causes you to be creative. So if you can't find this word, if you're not spelling it right, it doesn't come up on spell check, you have to say, what other word could I use? And I think that's a bit of being an entrepreneur is how can I solve this problem? How can I do something differently? Now, you've, so com- you've come a long way from not being able to spell very well to being uh, looking at DNA and, and genetics. There's, there's a trait you talked about in the green room that I think is pretty important that's contributed to your success. Want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I think that uh, it probably the trait I said was being gritty. So being uh, having a passion and working really hard, I think, as an entrepreneur, grit goes a long way. Uh, Catherine? I'm really interested in your company. Who's your largest client? Uh, our largest client is the Department of Defense. And what do you do for them? We do a number of different things for the Department of Defense uh, focused around biometrics and human identification. And so how did you get into, I don't know if this is PC, but dealing with dead bodies? That seems like a something somebody has to get over to start doing that. Right. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's very hard. It's a, an unusual, an unusual uh, career. But my uncle was a funeral director, so I'm a little bit more uh, cognizant of death. It's something natural that occurs. But when... When the people that, that uh, or the individuals that we work with have died and people don't know who they are. So, for example, uh, we support Department of Defense in the identification of the service members who gave their life in past conflicts. We're trying to bring those home to families, families who did not know what happened to their brother, their sister, mm-hmm. their uncle. We give a, an identification to them. How about the 9-11? Didn't you have an involvement with 9-11? I did. I was involved in 9-11. I, the de- Department of uh, Justice sent me up to 9-11 to support the medical examiner, state police, in the identification of the victims from 9-11. You talked about your uncle having another impact on you that kind of influenced you. My uncle was a businessman, so he owned a funeral home. So I I saw that it's possible to be your own boss. Some of the rewards of that, also some of the hard work that it takes to do that. So stepping back from the particulars of the business, what kind of uh, things do you do as a leader and as as an adult to sort of grow and and learn and, and develop yourself? 
gosh, I think the older wait, I wait, get. Wait, 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 hold on. Why would you have to do that? She's running a 200-person business. She's an authority in her field. What do you mean have to bother learning more stuff? Yeah, you have to continually learn. I think the older I get, the more, the more I need to learn. And that's actually one of the very enjoyable parts of my job is learning all, you know, every day I'm learning new things that I didn't know before. And I try to be open to that other people's opinions, other people's ideas, and I think also learning from my mistakes and learning from the mistakes of others. What advice would you give to, to your younger self? I would, I would say think big. Take risks, take calculated risks. Yeah, keep going, Mark. What else are you thinking there? So is that, is that, what, do you, what do your employees think of you? Do they think of you as, as, a, as a big risk taker and a strategic thinker? I think sometimes they think I'm a, a strategic thinker. I don't know if they always see all the risks, everything that goes on behind the doors in, in running a company. I think they, and I, I know they see that I'm committed to our clients and I try to instill that. So we always try to go above and beyond for our clients so that they really have a, they really are better once they've, they've worked with our company. So SNA is a place where people can learn and grow? Yes, and we encourage that. We like to, as we are larger, we're able to have more collaboration between our staff. So we like to get staff that are working on different contracts together to learn from each other. It's quite exciting. In the green room, you talked a little bit about being very influenced by the formal structure you had at home. H how is that coming through at work today? So My, correct. My parents were very formal. And so, you know, the more formal you are, I think it takes a little more work. And working with clients, you can do things fast and dirty, or you can do things more methodically, more formal, and, uh, you know, really have some very nice results. And I think that our clients appreciate that. And what would you say to the women out there that are thinking about a career in science? Because you talked about that. You would have liked to have maybe give advice to specifically that. I would say don't, you know, don't hold back that uh, women are very creative, women are very hardworking. Often there are more men in the science fields right now, co have connections with other, other people and think big. Well, what's the best part of your day? The best part of my day is when a client says, this was really great, we really appreciate what you did. The best part of my day is when a uh, an employee says, I really enjoyed my day. I really enjoy what I do. The best part of my day is when the, um, you know, the staff said, I had fun, or I was challenged and I did it. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the people. A lot of it is about the people. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's, what's the website address of your organization? It is sna dash intl.com are there more opportunities tomorrow for you or are there were more opportunities yesterday oh there are more opportunities tomorrow uh -huh. why our company is growing uh -huh. we are branching out we're developing some new technology for identification let it's me let great. me have that website address one more time it is sna intl.com so is your president of sa international back in a moment right after this break I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, 
the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is, in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Oh hell no! It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Bostonbid.com, and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Bostonbid.com. It's B A. Give me the spelling on that. B A L L S T O N B I D dot com. Excellent. Your name again is Tina Leone. And the name of the organization is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight. Back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business, are truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Alonzo Zamora, CEO of White Glove Solution. Alonzo, what is White Glove Solution? Uh, Wake Up Solution is a company that uh, moves seniors and only seniors and focuses on the downsizing uh, and remodeling aspect to get their house on the market. Uh-huh. Uh, 
how, let me ask you a question. How young were you when you came from Chile to the United States? I was eight years old. And how many brothers and sisters do you have, and where are you in the pecking order? So I have um, two sisters uh-huh. and one brother. You're the youngest of four, and you were eight years old when you came to the United States. What do you remember about coming to the United States? It was all fun and games, wasn't it? No, absolutely not. It was actually very interesting. Uh, I remember when I first arrived at the airport, um, and it was just very new to me. And um, What do you remember about arriving at the airport? Seeing a vending machine, my mom buying cigarettes out of a vending machine. What, 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 did the, what impressed you about that? I just never seen a vending machine in my life. Uh-huh. And uh, w- what else did you remember about the United States? And what, what, How did that affect you when you first moved here? It was easy for you to integrate into the United States, wasn't it? Uh, it was fairly easy for me because my sisters, uh, they were um, kind of sponsor. Uh-huh. And so I came over with my... Uh, right. How young were you when you started making money? I was six years old. Uh, and wh- what were you doing to make money? I was skipping school and selling bubble gums, dos en unos, in Chile. In Chile. And when you came to the U.S., how long did it take for you to start making money? Uh, probably the day that I arrived. I was um, taking Wh- out trash and cleaning out warehouses. Wait, wait, wait. You were eight years old. You arrived in the U.S., and you think the day you arrived, you started making money cleaning out trash in warehouses? Yes. Why? Um, my sister needed to clean a warehouse, so right from the airport, we went directly to, with my mom and my 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 mom and my dad and my sister to uh, directly to clean so warehouses. You didn't come. You didn't come with a lot of money, did you? No, we came in debt. Oh, you came in debt and to find a better life. And you know, the day you arrived, you started cleaning warehouses. Okay, can you give me an idea of uh, how many businesses you've started and uh, what's happened? Yeah, it's been a long road. Uh, I've started probably about diff- about 50 different companies, and I have failed in about 40 of them. Uh-huh. Have any of them worked out? Uh, I have 10 left. Uh-huh. W- w- tell me about the size of those businesses. So we, want, we run one of the largest thrift stores in the country. We have about a, um, probably about 200 employees. But now I've sat back. Uh, I made it rain there, and I'm on the board of directors and just received residual money from so that. So you started one of the largest thrift stores in the country. What yeah. else have you started? So um, I've had a large landscaping company, and I also have a large, very successful company, and now I'm with White Glove Solution. Um, what, what, what part of this has to do with the fact that you're an immigrant and came here with nothing? Uh, I'm sorry? What part of this has to do with the fact you're an immigrant and came here with nothing? Um, I don't know. You just hard work ethics and just, you know, get Alex? in the grind. Well, I think you, you talked about arriving to Silver Spring, but then, then you moved... Where'd you move to, and how did that impact you? So we arrived in Silver Spring, lived in the ghetto, lived right in the corner of East-West Highway and 16th Street. But um, I moved to Georgetown, and it was a a life-changing for me with the people that I got to know. Why was that? Um, It was just a lot of uh, very wealthy people that um, influenced me and gave me a guidance because I was a little bit kind of didn't do very good in school. Wait a minute. So you didn't do very good in school, but you wanted their guidance? You looked to them for guidance? No, they just kind of gave it to me. I didn't know if I was looking for it. They just kind of, you know, took this kid under their, their wing and just... Why do you think they wasted their time with you? Why do you? What do you think they saw in you? Aside from the fact you started a whole mess of businesses and you're pretty entrepreneurial, you think they sensed that? I think they like my smile. Uh-huh. So sitting next to you is your son, uh, Keanu. Keanu, how old are you? I'm 21. How young were you when you started working in your father's business? Seven or eight years old. What bi- which business was this? Uh, the thrift store. The thrift store. And what were you doing at seven or eight years old in the thrift store? 
I was from loading uh, clothing racks to doing the. Uh, I was being the cashier. Uh-huh. So you were doing the cashier, loading the clothing racks. Did you want to do that stuff? Yeah, I did it, anything for my dad at that point. What do you mean anything for your dad? Your friends are outside playing. Why are you? Uh, why are you working? I don't know. I just I just like to learn and anything. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Um, Alonzo, I got a question for you. What have you learned from your son that's helped you build your businesses? Um, I've learned a lot of great integrity from him. Um, he doesn't like to cut corners. Um, he's um, he keeps me in line. Um, he keeps me grounded. He doesn't let me dream as much now because, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. So he keeps me focused. So you guys are really partners, it sounds like. Correct. Uh-huh. I love him. Keanu, oh, tell me that. What's that again? I love him very much. Uh-huh. Keanu, what have you learned from your dad? What have I learned from my dad? I've, I've He's helped me uh, break out of my shell and uh, in order to talk to people and just know how to uh, build a business and stuff like that. Does he feel like a partner to you or a dad? Uh, both. What are you talking about? What do you mean? What's the difference? What's the similarity? Uh, the similarity is that he feels like my dad because, uh, I don't know, we just love each other and we'll do anything and there's, we'll never uh, phase each other out and we'll always work with each other. How's this love affecting you guys building the teams? Uh, say that one more time? Yeah. How's love affect you guys building your teams? Uh, it uh, helps us because um, it helps us. Yeah, build the team and keep build a team. team. Mark, and like, and keep a Mark what are you thinking? So what, both of you, actually, what did you learn about yourself from working and starting businesses and having to work through challenges in business? So there's a lot of screaming back and forth, but we get along at the end. Um, you know, a lot of bounce a lot of ideas off each other. Uh, but the love is tremendously what I think gets us strong and, and stay together, um, you know. Right? Where do you come up with the ideas for, for all these businesses? Uh, opportunities. There's opportunities. There's a need. There's um, We found an opportunity here to kind of... But what um, do you know about need? You're from a foreign country. You came here when you were eight years old. How were you able to spot and identify these market opportunities and know how to build these businesses? All these different businesses. So in Chile, we used to receive uh, these clothing, bail clothes, and we used to, they used to be popped and... Um, go all over the place and um, clothes would fly all over the place. Now I ship those containers to Chile, uh, ship used clothing. And um, so we found an opportunity to basically how to give back to some people who are n- cannot have these things. Well, Alex? In the green room, you talked a lot about philanthropy. W- what's the connection to coming to this country with so little and how has that motivated you to give back? So, because I was one of those kids that people gave to. Um, I was um, those what, kids. What are you talking about? You were one of those people that people gave to. What do you mean? I was um, giving clothes. I was giving used clothes many years ago. In the um, United States? No, in Chile. Yeah. And also here in the United States when we first arrived. Um, so uh, I love to sit on boards and help people. So I've sat on the board of Boy Scouts of America. I've sat on the board of, um, uh, I still sit on the board of Salvation Army. But the most passion that I have right now is sitting on the board of two boards where I sit right now. Uh, leveling the playing field, giving use equipment to kids um, that need it, that are unprivileged, so they levels uh, levels the playing field. I also uh, sit on the board of uh, planning for senior life. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on for a minute. You're, you're, you're evidently a well-respected entrepreneur because otherwise these boards wouldn't want you, and you're quite the successful entrepreneur as we've heard. Didn't you, you, you mentioned you had problems in school? 
Absolutely. Why? What kind of problems did you have in school? I didn't graduate high school. Excuse me? I didn't graduate high school. <coughs> okay, tell me more about this. So, it's it was um, a lot of le- uh, reading and learning skills that I just not have, and my teachers didn't know what my problems were. So, what was your problem? Uh, I just couldn't concentrate. just was all over the place. Um, but that, I, but I did help, go to college. How's that helped you build... <laughs> How's that helped you build your business, the fact that you couldn't concentrate? Um, it's just being creative, coming up with ideas, being all over the place. It, it, it brings, and that's where I think my son grounds me because he brings me back to, to earth. To where do you think you learned to work as a team? Because we heard a, a, a lot of creativity and a lot of hard work. Where did you learn your teamwork from? So um, being compassionate with other people, treating them like human beings, love one another I think where would that come from you came here with nothing people are giving you clothes where would that <laughs> compassion come from I don't know why I aren't just, you angry um, because I want to help people I, I'm, I'm here to help I'm here to was that from mom or dad you got the love I think both what are you talking Most about definitely both what do you mean um, I mean my mom was very I mean she made dinner for us every night she made make sure that we were ready and dad and dad took care of it. I mean, he was right there, hands-on with my mom. My mom mm-hmm. stopped cooking after 50 years, and my dad took over. What's the website address for White Glove Solution? It's whitegloveSolution.com. We've been speaking with Alonzo and Keanu Zamora, CEO and partner at White Glove Solution here on Executive Leaders Radio. Mark, can you give us a rundown of who else we've had on the air, please? Sure. Today we've had um, Mike Jennings, president of Business Engineering, Inc., um, Chris Molivadis, Market Director of Mid-Atlantic Region for Jones Lang LaSalle, Uh, Mandy Sozer, President of SNA International, and Alonzo Zamora, CEO of White Glove Solution. I'd like to thank my co-host, Mark Haas, uh, Association for Enterprise Growth, and Alex Bartholomew's People Stretch Solutions, as well as our our special uh, co-host, Catherine Deming, Business Development, Business Engineering, Inc., for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hope you're providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time. I'm right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.